Hi, I'm Pastor Guy Burke. We welcome you to this week's worship with First Baptist Church Indianola. We also invite you to find out more about us at our website, www.fbcindianola.com. And don't forget to like us on social media. Join us now as we study deep truths from God's holy word. Take your copy of God's Word and turn to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John, we're going to be in chapter 12 today, looking at two verses, verses 37 through 38. So we begin a new sermon series, uh, Multifaceted Easter. This dovetails with what we did at Christmas. If you were here with us for Christmas time, you know that we took uh, different facets when it comes to these specific times, when it comes to the birth of Christ as well as the resurrection of Christ. And today we're going to begin with the facet of prophecy from John chapter 12, beginning in verse 37. You know, rejection is something that we all face in life. I remember being a student and being at uh, this student event, and the speaker was talking about his friend in college that always had a date on the weekend, and how his friend would, would hang around on campus, uh, kind of close to the girls' dorm, and he wasn't a stalker, don't get all worried about it, but, uh, but, he, but he would hang out, and, and he never had the fear of rejection. Yeah, I think he played the numbers game. If he, if he asked five, you figure one would say yes. And he always had a date for the weekend, right? Well, the speaker was saying he was the complete opposite. He was shy. He, didn't wanna, he, he was worried about being rejected. He didn't want to ask anyone out. And he never had a date, but his friend always had a date because his friend wasn't fearful of rejection. And at some level, we all fear rejection, right? Uh, on some, some, at some capacity, at some level, we, we fear rejection and, and even though we, we can't put it into words, we, we often struggle with this insecurity of feeling rejected. And that can play into our spiritual life. Because sometimes what happens is, is we project those feelings of insecurity or that fear of rejection and we place that on God. Now we'll say God is good and God is good all the time. And we'll say that, that God loves us no matter what. And, but then we'll fear We'll put those, those feelings of fear and rejection up and say, but he can't love me because of my past. Or he can't love me specifically for, for what I've done. And so we, we, we'll, we'll acknowledge that God is good, but then we'll, we'll project our fear of rejection or our fear of what we've done upon him, that he couldn't love me. But that's not what the gospel says. The, God, the, the gospel says that God loves us all. Even as sinners, Christ died for us. And so we face this fear of rejection, but what we come to understand that the God, we come to understand that the gospel says that Jesus was rejected. That Jesus himself was rejected. So as we move towards Easter, today we're going to consider the, the facet of prophecy. And that it was foretold that Jesus would be rejected. And we're going to look at these verses today and see just how specifically Jesus was rejected by his very own people as the Messiah to come. And as we look at John, we begin in verse 37. And when, just to kind of set up the context and what's happening here, John is, John is transitioning. He's moving his gospel from speaking of Jesus as kingdom of God preacher and miracle performer to now, as we enter into this portion, Jesus is introduced as the instructor of his disciples as well as the sacrificial lamb. So that's the transitioning point that we find ourselves here in John chapter 12. And what John does is, John, he infuses Old Testament prophecy into this passage 
to show that Isaiah, all the many years ago, declared that Jesus would be the Messiah and fulfill the Messianic prophecy. Now, you may be thinking, well, that's all good, preacher. So what? Why does that matter for me? Why does that matter as I start a new week to go back to my campus, to go back to my job, to reenter the marketplace, and go through my routine this week? Why does this matter? Well, this leads us to our big idea for today. And our big idea for today is this, is that Christ faced rejection to save you from condemnation. Christ faced rejection to save you from condemnation. That's why this matters. And as we walk forward to Easter 2021 and we look at the facet of prophecy, we're going to see that Christ faced that rejection to save you from condemnation. You see, the rejection of Christ is distilled evidence that leads to the resurrected Christ. And so let's read these verses together. Verse 37, John chapter 12. This is what's recorded. Even though he had performed so many signs in their presence, they did not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet who said, Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So as we look at these two verses, we see three major components that I want us to, to look together, uh, look at together today. And these three components illuminated from these two verses. The first component is unparalleled performance. So when we look at verse 37, the first part, even though he, speaking about Jesus here, even though Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, there was no performance like Jesus' performance. So in this, we see an unparalleled performance in verse 37. I remember a couple of years ago, we were driving back from visiting family in South Mississippi, headed, headed on our way back to the Delta, and we decided to stop at Chick-fil-A up on County Line before you get to 220 County Line Road. And we stopped at that location because, you know, they put out these milkshakes at certain times, right? You know, and, and, the, and the, they're like tractor beams when you hear an advertisement. They just kind of suck you in and you, you wind up at the Chick-fil-A location in that line, you know. And so we pull up to the window and we're waiting for our hand-spun milkshakes. We can't wait uh, to enjoy those on our way back home. And, and we're, sitting, we're sitting at the window and the lady's there and she says, she says you know, we're, we're getting them finished and everything. I was like, okay, all right. And, and then our dog in the back, you remember Hero, our little Yorkie, right? Our dog in the back chirps a little bit, barks a little bit. Because as long as you're on the highway, he's pretty good. But you start slowing down or you stop, he's going to start barking for some reason. I haven't figured it out. But he starts barking a little bit. And she goes, oh, is that your pet in the back? And I said, yeah, you want him? No, I'm kidding. I didn't say that. She said, oh, is that your pet in the back? And I said, well, yes, we're traveling back home. Our, our dog's back here. And then she hands me something. You know what she hands me? I'm just, just going to leave it right there to build the suspense, right? Build the suspense. She hands me a dog treat. That's right. She hands me a dog treat. And I'm like, what is this? And she's like, oh, it's something for your puppy. I was like, it's a dog treat. I'm waiting on a milkshake, and she hands me a dog treat. This is unparalleled performance, right? McDonald's ain't doing that. Burger King ain't doing that. KFC, uh-uh. None of the, you can sit in those lines. You not, you might not even get your order in those lines. <laughs> but in this line, she gives us a dog treat for our puppy in the back. And friend, that's why the line wrap, wraps around at Chick-fil-A all day, every day, isn't it? Because it's unparalleled performance. We're drawn to that kind of performance. 
We are drawn in by that unparalleled performance. And many people, as John wrote this, many people were drawn in to the unparalleled performance of Jesus. But John says something very unique here. Even though. Don't miss those two words in verse 37. Because John says there, he says, even though. You see, there, there were many that, that were drawn to the performance of Jesus. The, the lame walked, the blind saw, those that could not speak began to speak. All these things happened throughout the miraculous ministry of Jesus. It was unparalleled performance, and many were drawn to him. But even though all of this took place and more, there were still those that rejected him. There were still those that said, I'm good. There were still those that, that did not fully believe. Now, now, when we read passages like this, we automatically put ourselves in the believing camp, right? When we read passages like this in Scripture, oh, I'd be in the believing camp. I'd be over here with all the believers. But it draws out that question. Do we really believe? In our heart of hearts, do we really believe in a risen Do we really believe, not just because of the unparalleled performance that draws us in, but because of who Jesus says he is and who God's word says he is? Do we really believe that he is the one that fulfilled the prophecy? You see, even though Jesus had performed many miracles, he was rejected by his own. This is kind of like you giving $100,000 to all your family members and then they don't speak to you. That's kind of odd, right? That's kind of weird, right? But that's kind of the environment we see happening here. Jesus had done so much and had this unparalleled performance, and he even says who he is. If you read through the Gospel of John, there's seven I am statements that Jesus gives, one of those being, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No, no one enter, enters into the Father except through me. So Jesus even says who he is, but he's still rejected, and rejected by Israel, his own people as the Messiah. Now why is this? Why is this? Well, there's also a theme in John between light and darkness. John gives us, way back in chapter 3, the words of Jesus on why this is. Why is Jesus rejected? Even though he's done the unparalleled performance, why is Jesus rejected? I want to share with you verse 20 from chapter 3. Listen to the words of Jesus as John records them. Jesus says this, For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it, so that his deeds may not be exposed. Listen to that one more time. Jesus says, For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it, so that his deeds may not be exposed. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But yet there are those, as John writes this, there are those today that do not come to the light. And the reason they don't come to the light is because their deeds would have to be exposed. 
Now that has great implications for you and me because here where we live, it's a save face culture. We've got to save face and keep things buttoned up and look, looking right. And so we're going to save face and say, hey, Jesus, I, I, I'm good with that. I've heard about you, but, but I'm still going to stand right here. I'm not going to go all in. I'm not going to come to you fully. I'm going to keep kind of one foot in, one foot out, one toe in, one toe out, however it might be. Because we don't want to be exposed to the light. Even though there's healing, redemption, and salvation with that, we still don't want to be exposed. Even though Jesus has unparalleled performance, even though Jesus is the Savior of the world and the Messiah, we would still say, I can't come because I can't be exposed. And that was happening here, and that still happens for us today. And as we read verse 37, we automatically place ourselves in that believing camp. But what we need to understand is in this passage is that Jesus isn't finished performing. There's, there's more to see and more to understand and more to believe. Because what looms is the cross and Calvary. What's in his queue and what's on his list is the tomb and the resurrection. There's more for him to perform. And what Jesus ultimately shows as you read through John is that Jesus performs what no one else could possibly ever perform. And through his death and through his resurrection and through faith in him, there is salvation that comes only through him. Even with, performance, with the performance of Jesus, there is still practicing unbelief. We see that in the latter part of verse 37. We look back at that in, in verse 37, the last part, we see... They did not believe in him. So even though he performed so many signs in their presence, right there in their presence, they did not believe in him. You know, skepticism is something that happens all the time. It's happened in every era. But it seems like in this era, there's a lot more skepticism. There's a higher level of skepticism with the advent of technology, the Internet, specifically social media. Uh, me and my wife were watching one of those crime detective shows last weekend. I may or may not be addicted to those, but that's another story. And so we're watching through that, and then the, one of the people that's interviewed, they carry the title of Web Sleuth. You ever heard of that title? Web Sleuth. So instead of being someone that goes around and, and digs and, and finds all the physical evidence, they're on the web finding all that evidence. Because they do not believe what law enforcement or what other officials have said happened in the crime. So they're going to get online, and they're going to dig, and they're going to go you know, these, these, these deep dives into these articles and what happened here and who they were connected to. And then they get in chat rooms and they get in this group on social media and it all just starts coming in and coming in. And they're web sleuths trying to figure out the, the law enforcement didn't give the accurate assessment of what happened. So we're going to bring the truth to light. We're going to be these web sleuths and we're going to get the truth out there because we don't believe what has been told to us. And that's a practicing unbelief. We don't believe what has been given to us. Well, look, Jesus was in the presence of these people. He was right there, physically could reach out and see it, touch it. And they still didn't believe. They still didn't believe. It was a practicing unbelief. An unbelief that, that we see here is baked with skepticism but it's also part of a greater plan. 
it's part of a greater plan. And what John reveals here is that this unbelief is part of the divine will. Now stay with me for a minute. Stay with me. This unbelief is part of the divine will of God. Now what John, John's not getting at this hardcore predeterminism that people are robots and, and that kind of thing, and they're just, it's just calculated and they don't have, he, he doesn't go, he's not going that route because later on he shows the element of human responsibility in all of this, okay? He, he's, not, he's, not, he's not wavering on, on any of that. What he does is he, he doesn't falter on human responsibility. Actually, his main point is that human unbelief still resides in God's sovereign plan. So God had a sovereign plan of a Messiah to come, and Isaiah foretold of that. Jesus fulfills that, but yet there is still unbelief. Scholar D.A. Carson speaks about verse 37. He says, John presumes responsibility, and in verse 43, articulates an utterly reprehensible human motive for unbelief. Now scroll down, or look down, or flip over, and look to verse 43, and I want us to read it together. John chapter 12, verse 43, because this is the motive. This is the motive for the unbelief here in this passage, and it is still a motive for unbelief for many today. This is what verse 43 says, for they loved human praise more than, than the praise from God. They loved human praise more. So even though Jesus had unparalleled performance, and even though Jesus was performing these miracles and these signs in their very presence, they still did not believe because to step out and be approved by God would mean that they would not be approved by man. Now, how does that apply to you and I today? It applies very well today. It applies to our everyday. Because every day we are either going to step out to please and follow the Lord, our God, or we're going to stay in the shadows to get the praise of man. We're either going to step out every day and follow the Lord and seek him in obedience and follow his will for our life and trust him in the midst of of hard circumstances and all of the above, we're either going to step out into that or we're going to recede into the shadows so that we can still have man's approval. You see, practicing unbelief and true faith, there's a fine line to walk there. And what John illuminates is that there was practicing unbelief, but there's still practicing unbelief here today. And this facet of prophecy, it reminds us of the unbelief that is present here in our world But friend, it also reminds us of the hope that is only found in Jesus. The hope is only found in Christ alone. That there is a Messiah. There is the light of the world whose name is Jesus. And that to step out and trust him and seek to honor God is what he calls us to to do when he says, Follow me. Follow me. And not only have we seen unparalleled performance by Jesus, not only have we seen practicing unbelief, we see that this prophecy is fulfilled in verse 38. Let's revisit verse 38. John says this. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet who said, Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? You know, hindsight's twenty twenty, isn't it? How many times have you said that? 
How many times have you heard that, right? We, we say it, we hear it all the time. It's become one of these, th- these cliches that is offered up at many different times in our life, at many different moments in our life. I was recently on a walk listening to a leadership podcast, and uh, this ministry leadership podcast that had the guest for that day was Rob Palinka. Now, you may not know who that is. He's the GM, the president of the L.A. Lakers. I'm not a Lakers fan. I don't want the Lakers to win, but that's another story for another day. But he had some great insights on his faith and on leadership in this podcast. And he told a story about the time he went to dinner with Kobe Bryant. And Kobe tragically passed away with his daughter a little over a year ago now. Uh, but, but Rob and Kobe were good friends for 20 years. And after Kobe had retired, they went out and they had dinner. And, and they were sitting there and they were talking after dinner. And, and Rob looked over at Kobe and said, Kobe, you had one of the greatest runs. You had, a, you had one of the greatest athletic careers any, of all time, maybe. Is there anything that as you look back on it, you've had some time to break it down and process it, is there anything when you look back that you would do differently? Kobe paused for a moment and then looked at Rob and he said, you know, very few things, but one thing would be empathy. He said, I wish I had more empathy for my teammates in leading them and being the leader of the team. Empathy on their, their history, where they come from, what they face, because they're different than me. I didn't, I, I didn't always have that. I was so driven. I had this, this, this drive and this mentality of win at all costs that I, di- I, w- I was not open to empathizing with my teammates, and that could have been done better. Hindsight is twenty twenty. What's John doing here? John's looking back on the prophecy that Isaiah gave, and he's saying, the light has dawned, the Messiah has come. Look back with me, hindsight's twenty twenty. It brings clarity to our situation, and the clear point of all this is that Jesus has come and fulfilled the role of Messiah. And that's John's point here. That prophecy has been fulfilled. So as he transitions his writings from all the miracles that Jesus has done, from all the teachings of Jesus, now he's transitioning his his writing into the instructions to disciples and that Jesus is going to be a sacrificial lamb leading up to the very first Easter. He's directing them to look all the way back into the Old Testament and clearly see what was revealed in that prophecy that Jesus fulfilled it. And that's what we see happening in verse 38. John looks back and he's able to invoke the prophet's words here. And it reveals clarity on who the Messiah is. John sees, the, the point is, is that John sees the same unbelief that Isaiah saw from God's people. If you've never read Isaiah, you can look through Isaiah, you can say Isaiah was a prophet, but it really didn't seem like he had a fruitful ministry going on there. Because when you read Isaiah, it's basically, hey, you're heading to judgment. You're heading to judgment. By the way, you're heading to judgment. And it doesn't seem so fruitful. But as John looks back and infuses this Old Testament prophecy into what he's sharing here, he's showing that not only was Isaiah fruitful because he was faithful to present the word of the Lord, but the word in flesh has now come and is the Messiah and is the Redeemer. And Israel has rejected him and there are still those unbelieving, but there is hope in him because the arm of the Lord that's been revealed, you know what that represents in verse 38? The arm of the Lord that's been revealed, it it represents all the miracles that Jesus did. And so what's John saying? He says, don't practice unbelief. Work with your faith. The arm of the Lord has been revealed to you. His name is Jesus. And friend, that, 
that point of the gospel, it speaks into your heart and in my heart and our life as a church that we would look to the arm of the Lord on who Jesus is, the risen, living Savior, Lord, that we would place our faith in, in Him and believe and call upon His name for salvation, and then we would rem- remove ourselves from the shadow and men's praises and walk in the light of life to seek to live for a holy living God. And when we think about this facet of prophecy that leads us to Easter, we see that Jesus fulfilled it, and there's redemption in his name. So as we wrap up, as we move towards Easter this year, we're called to remember. We're called to remember this facet of prophecy. Easter reminds us that when we look at the face of Jesus, we realize that he faced everything for you and for me. And in doing that, he fulfills what was foretold about him. Now listen, come in here real close as we wrap up. If Christ fulfills what was foretold about him all that time before, if he fulfills all that, then friend, I want you to know you can trust your eternity with him. You can trust your forever with Jesus. Because he has fulfilled the prophecy. He has revealed the arm of the Lord in his unparalleled performance. No longer do we have to live in the camp of unbelief, but we can walk into the light and be redeemed and saved from our sin. No longer do we have to face rejection because when we have the identity of Christ and we are co-heirs with him, we have a new identity. We are a new creation with a new hope that lasts forever. And it resides in the name of Jesus. So Christ faced rejection so that you would not face condemnation. Christ faced rejection so that you would not face condemnation. And as we think about what John writes here, may it call us to salvation, may it call us to obedience, may it call us to live in the light for the glory of God. Let's pray together. Lord, we bow before you today, and I thank you for everyone here this morning. There may be someone here this morning that's never trusted by faith in your name as Lord and Savior. And it may be the day of salvation for someone. Maybe there's someone listening or watching today. And so if that's you this morning, you have that decision to make, a, a faith decision. I'm going to be here after we dismiss, and I want you to come, come find me down front after everyone's dismissed and everyone walks out. I want, to, I want you to come find me, and, and let's pray, and let's talk. I want to journey with you in whatever decision you have to make. If you're watching online this morning, we invite you to send us a private message to go to our website and and fill out that form on our website and send that in. We want to contact you and journey with you with whatever faith decision you might have this morning. You may be here this morning and and you're recognizing you need to to join our church in, in, in membership and make a commitment to be a member of First Baptist Church and live your faith here in community. You may be just struggling with something and need prayer. I would love to be that person to join you in prayer this morning. Whatever decision that the Lord is laying upon your heart today, it's not a time to continue to to put it off. It's not another day to place it on the back burner. It's a day of obedience. It's a day of commitment. It's a day of faith. And that's what he's calling you to.
Lord, as we wrap up today, I pray for everyone here. I pray that as they move into a new week, God, you would bless them. You would comfort them. You would help them know that you want to use them. I pray that you would provide those opportunities so that it can be used for your glory. Be sent out as your church to serve others, to share with others, to love others in your name. Father, we commit this time to you, and we pray it in your precious name. Amen.